0: Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the Creativity One of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm Andrew Jacobs. Creativity is a topic I have a particular interest in and if there was one subject I'd love to be involved in, then it would be this one. But you don't need to hear from me. Here are three brilliant guests to work through creativity. Our first guest is Beth Slazak. Beth holds a BA from the University of Buffalo in History and Dance, a Certification in Education from Buffalo State University a Master's of Science in Creative Studies from Buffalo State University, an MBA from D'Youville University, and has completed a three-year certified humour professional programme. Beth has led many creative problem-solving workshops, providing professional development skills to people in Canada, Mexico, Italy and the US. Our second guest is Fran Harrison. Fran lives in Wiltshire in the UK and is learning technology strategist for the QA group of companies. Fran specialises in digital learning strategy inclusion by design in learning, generative AI and educational technology implementation. Our final guest is Lindsay Deneen. Lindsay has over ten years of leadership experience in multiple areas of marketing and business across MedTech, education, performing arts, fitness, startups, B2B hospitality and event management. She champions wellness through her online dance, stretching and mindfulness courses and serves as a consultant and fractional leader. Lindsay holds an MS in management and leadership and an MBA. Strap yourselves in for an awesome podcast episode. Recorded in early January of 2024, this is Women Talking About Learning. This is Beth, Fran, and Lindsay talking about creativity.
1: I'll say good morning to Beth and Lindsay, although it's afternoon here in Wiltshire. How are you both?
2: Doing great. It's so nice to talk with you, Fran and Beth. Thank you so much for Joining in this conversation, so excited to be here. I
3: am too. Uh, lovely to meet you, Lindsay and Fran. I'm enjoying this great start to my Friday morning.
1: Yes, I'm. It's, it's quite weird because I'm most of the way through, and after this, I'm I'm logging off, and that's it for the afternoon and the weekend. So creativity. Um, I did actually go out to my networks and just ask them what the big things are that are bothering them. So shall I kick off with one of their questions? Just to get get us going, And I'm sure it'll take us in all sorts of directions then. One of my contacts, uh, Sharon Green, asked, I thought it was quite an interesting one, how we can stimulate and support people to be more curious and creative at work. She was saying that um, she's an uh, independent consultant and she says she regularly gets asked this and would be interested to know what our opinions were. And I was thinking an extension of that. It's almost what the benefits are of doing that. Why do you want to do that in the first place? So, you know, so what what are your thoughts on that? And what do you what do you do normally?
3: I love what I loved. I saw you had posted this and I loved this question because one of the organizations that I've. uh, I've attended their conferences and studied with them, uh, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor fun group by the way um uh in creativity uh that the 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 creativity world that i study in works with purposeful play and i think that's a great time to a great way to stimulate creativity is because part of it is like playing around with ideas and with thoughts and you look at children uh Mr. Rogers in the U.S. was great for saying play is the work of children. And when you are engaged in a playful mindset, that is, you know, that covers curiosity and it's looking at things in different ways, which that, you know, that definition of creativity that we fall in is novel and useful. And you get to novelty with mm-hmm. looking at things with what might be all of the and, that's comes from looking at things in different ways and playing around with it. What Lindsay, what do you think? Yeah.
2: Oh, I completely agree. I think playfulness and creativity is something that is often very encouraged in childhood. And sometimes as we grow up, we are actually more directed to sort of fit molds Um, And so therefore, our creativity and our playfulness over time, if we don't keep it up in some way, if we don't have a habit of it or cultivate it, becomes kind of stilted. And I think the more that we can adapt a creativity mindset in terms of staying curious, staying open to to new learning and new growth and opportunities and, and trial and error, I think the more that we can do that, the better off you know, it is all around and we can apply that creativity, not just to traditionally creative things or what we might think of in terms of that, but also to solving complex problems. If we can kind of look outside of the box.
3: That traditionally creative things. Oh, when people find out what I do, they're like, I'm not creative. And I'm like, oh. Let's
1: just find out about that, shall we?
3: (laughs) Do you mean artistic? Do you mean artistic? All artists are creative. Not all creative people are artists. Like, Beyonce, you are brilliant. And also, like, my grandmother's cooking was wildly creative. Single mom's amazingly
1: creative yes. yeah. problem solvers i mean people think it's business but it's not you are constantly coming at things from a hundred different directions to try and solve problems aren't you yeah and i mean i came from a I, i've drifted a long way i started out as a primary music teacher i've somehow ended up as a um, learning technology strategist i'm not quite sure how i got here but you know hey i love it i'll take it um <laughs> <laughs> and something we do in in my company um encouraged by uh, one of our directors is called brain writing i don't know if you've come across it before Oh, I weirdest love brainwriting. things you can come up with we did an entire session we actually decided after our two-way brain brain writing session we came out with the weirdest way of delivering a conference presentation for a national conference it was great because we went let's just come out with the stupidest weirdest ideas we can and then go okay, we need to bin the really weird stuff, but what's left? What can we do with that that's not just opening PowerPoint and showing people slides because we were desperate not to do that? And it's just its so joyful, giving people permission. Yes. And I, I'm, I used to be so frustrated when I used to work in schools and hear people saying, stop being silly. No, mm. be more silly. We can rein this in later. And just stop being silly. And in workplaces, you hear it in work as well. No, let's, let's create spaces where people are safe to be silly. Right. One of my
3: favorite things when we do a debrief is, you know, how did that feel? And when somebody says silly, oh, I love that. In medieval times, silly was a blessing that you would give people because the person who was silly was the jester who could speak truth to power so you would bless people with silliness and i just love when anybody says oh i feel silly because that was it's fantastic being able to be silly is being able to engage in truth to power and fran that that like i love when people can do world's worst or what's the worst thing that can happen come up with the worst idea come up with the one that will get you sent to jail or get you know someone definitely will die if you do this because then if you flip it it's amazing the fantastic unexpected idea you get that sends you off on a fantastic trajectory Yeah.
2: yeah
3: and then you know that's when you get the chills yeah
1: Lindsay, what do you reckon
2: yeah. Well, I think that there's, there's so much that I agree with, with both of you. And I think, you know, one thing that is, is wonderful, if you can kind of adopt an, a mindset of exploration, that everything is an exploration in life, then you don't, you, you give yourself permission to have those moments of creativity creativity and silliness and, you know, kind of these absurd, wild ideas. Right. But, but because you're approaching it as an exploration, that means you can't fail, right? Because all you're doing is exploring new territory. So, so it gives you and others that you're brainstorming with permission to just be themselves, to have those wild, goofy, completely unrealistic ideas, right? But you don't censor them. You do the improv approach, and you're probably both very familiar with that, the yes and. So you don't shut it down when somebody has a crazy wild idea. You go, yes and. And then, you know, it's amazing what those conversations can result in. And I think it's so much fun when you can just treat daily life as an exploration and not something that you have to win because creativity comes in those in-between moments
1: it's collaborative. It's something I thought I I had to sit on my hands not to answer immediately, because the first thing that sprung to mind was something I used to do when I used to do consultancy in schools. And quite often, you're so close to it. If it's an organisational question that you're being asked, quite often, that organisational person is so close to it that they can't necessarily see through that third person to think, what are we doing that's shutting this down are we doing anything that's actually shutting creativity down mm. like overpressurizing people all those sort of things and I thought if somebody asked me what would I answer if somebody came to me and said how do we stimulate our people to be more creative I'd be inclined to flip it and say how do we shut it how do we shut our organization down completely so there is no creativity at all What do you do? And go into that silliness of how do we make it really awful for our people? And then go, actually, are you doing any of that? Is there any elements where that might actually be happening? And then go, oh, yeah, maybe in a small way. And then flip it back again and say, how can we change that? It's an organizational culture thing. How do we take away those inhibitors so that people feel safe, psychologically safe to do it?
2: Oh, I love that. Oh,
3: that psychological safety too is such a. I, that's probably the biggest thing. Is if you don't feel like it's okay to say something uh, crazy in a meeting, it's if it's not okay to come up with the the weird idea. If it's if it's not okay to. To come up with the seedling of of the idea, if you have to come up with the completely built mansion house of the idea, and not the 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 just I'm thinking it out part of idea, you know when extroverts think with their mouth, introverts think it all out in their head and then come out with the complete plan. Uh-huh. And then- <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: <And> then- <laughs> Guess which one I am.
1: <laughs> I might come back to you on that cuz I'm really not sure.
3: <laughs> and I I worked with this brilliant woman Gert Carmen and she used to talk about she would start meetings with right now we're just dating ideas nobody's married to them. So it's okay to to send out your first date ideas. And when you say an idea we're just it's just a first date. You're not married to any of your ideas, so if you don't want to to take that one down the ideal, don't take that take that one down the aisle. Don't worry about it.
1: I notice Andrews just popped a question in, saying, "Is there an assumption that extroverts are more creative than introverts?" And I don't, I don't know. know. Harsh
2: coming from. Well, I would just say, as an introvert, I am like. No.
1: <laughs> I think I'm trying to think in terms, because I'm what people would generally call an extroverted introvert, I suppose, because I come across as quite extroverted sometimes. I'm always willing to jump in, but I recharge on my own. And I think, I think, what do I think? I think in conversation, it's an, an introvert will shut down, think and then come out with their answer. In the meantime, the extroverts I as you say, are thinking out loud, or talking, gregarious, So I suppose, is there an assumption? In certain areas, I would say maybe there are, but those areas may be where somebody's not taking the time to make sure everybody has a voice to cycle around.
3: I think there is the assumption, and I don't think it's true.
1: Hmm.
3: Oh. And I think it's starting to change. Like in the past five years there's been more publishing more more looking at introversion and the value of it and ambivert and uh understanding more understanding of it it's it started to to flip a little more but i think i think there is an assumption just because extroverts tend to be the loudest yeah they speak
1: first i I guess Not necessarily loud. It's just first, I suppose. And yeah, I wonder if diversity and inclusion, because we're becoming much more aware as a you know certainly UK-US society, as making sure everybody does have that voice, making sure everybody's represented, feels that they have a a space. If that helps, Lindsay, what
2: do you reckon? Yeah, and I think I think providing space, holding space for introverts to to be able to take a moment and think through their responses so that they don't feel also pressured to have an immediate thing to say. I think that's a big component that would help foster their creativity in a way that feels good to them, or perhaps even allowing them, say, even if it is a more public brainstorming session, to to have a moment where either they don't need to talk, they they aren't necessarily called upon, uh, because that can, I think, make introverts, especially extreme introverts, a little bit uncomfortable because they need that time to sort of process ideas on their own. So they might not be as, you know, rapid fire. I'm going to throw this idea out, then this idea out, then this idea out. But if you let them simmer for a minute and just sort of think about it, then all of a sudden they've put the little threads together and then come up with the you know, with a great idea. So I think giving permission to allow people to be creative in their own ways is really important too. And that spreads, you know, not just extrovert versus introvert, but across demographics and, and, uh, backgrounds and all sorts of other things that might, you know, again, make somebody feel a little less comfortable speaking up and sharing some ideas or their mind.
3: That's why when you said brainwriting, that's a tool that I love using because, it's brainstorming for introverts. It's quiet. It gives you time to to work it all out. Write it down. Nobody's talking. You, no one knows how fast you're going. You get that chance to
1: to refine it. It's really great for other groups as well, for sort of like neurodivergent groups because it's it's so inclusive. It allows everybody to participate equally. It's something something I'm very passionate about is making sure. People do that. We use Miro boards a lot because we do design online learning. And we use Miro boards a huge amount because it brings in so many more different groups to be able to partic- participate equally without somebody holding the conversation or a certain group of people leading because you can put your post-it notes in, then discuss it.
2: How have you all found creativity to enhance your own work And the work that you do, you know, maybe with clients or even just, um, you know, volunteer work or things like that. I mean, how, how are, what are some ways that you all are able to foster creativity in your own experience, maybe in ways that are non-traditional. So, you know, just for temporarily setting aside artistic pursuits, because those sort of inherently have that component, but in a more day-to-day basis, how do you, how do you guys foster some creativity? Beth, what do you,
1: what do you do normally?
3: I, I train people in creative problem solving. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's a little, I, you know, probably one of my favorite things to do. So again, extrovert, um, don't stand in line next to me at the grocery store or sit next to me on an airplane, because there's no such thing as a stranger. There's just somebody who hasn't stood still next to me. And so I haven't had a chance to talk to you. But so what that means is if I get a chance to talk to you, what I want to tell you is phrase your challenges as questions, open-ended questions, because I think that is probably the biggest game changer for everyone instead of like for parents when you get we're just finishing up like winter break here for parents so if you've got a nine-year-old you have probably heard i'm bored and you know and flipping that to what might be all of the things that you could be doing and if you want to add the stick onto that carrot is before i start assigning chores and that, you know, looking at that, what might be all the things, you know, gets them <laughs> thinking in a realm of possibility and getting that, that flipping on that, well, I could start. And so that for anybody who's doing that, uh, I w- weird fun fact about me, my husband is a camp ranger, so I live at a YMCA camp and <laughs> Oftentimes, the camp director and I are shooting ideas off of each other, and so that kind of stuff comes up. Where he'll come up and this is this, this is my challenge. I'm like, what might be all of the, and it gets him talking, and that open ended question starts just cracks open challenges to. Endless possibilities. I love it.
1: Yeah. What about you, Fran? Yeah. Something, I mean, we design anything from a one hour training course for clients to three year programs. So we do the full gamut, but we tend to work quite closely with story writing structure, narrative structure. So taking a fictional story structure, but you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to describing a boring process. You can apply it. I mean, we've done things where we've taken something quite, on the face of it, mundane, like I'll say project management, although I get quite excited by project management, I have to confess. Um, I know, somebody has to. Yes, love it. Me too. turn that into a story. So we will come up with a slightly out there case study, that we've made up and apply the whole story. You know, you introduce your characters, an event happens, something needs to be sorted. You work through it, you you have your crisis moment, you come to some kind of resolution and then you return to the normal and it's almost like a, it's just a cycle sometimes, isn't it? But to t- to apply that story, it creates the narrative where those little bits of knowledge stick together in your learner's mind or your... Team's mind and they start joining the dots and think, well, actually, that's a bit like that. Start contextualizing, just get that thinking and thinking into a problem rather than just sitting, observing it from a distance.
3: Ooh, I love
1: that you make it fun. It has to be, doesn't it? I always used to say with my teaching if I could get a class of 35 children having fun, you try stopping them learning because you can't.
3: Yeah, if you're engaged, if, if they're laughing, they're listening.
1: You hope. Yeah. Or they're up to something, in which case I want to be a part of it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. No shenanigans without me.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. But I love I love also, Fran, your idea of project management honestly kind of being a part of that process because you know, if you think about it in those terms and, you, and you're you trying to solve a problem or, or somebody has a challenge that's come up and you, you're you trying to think about it creativity cre- creatively and then you think, okay, so what's the best case scenario? What's my ideal outcome? So, so that lets your imagination kind of fly in that direction in the positive. And then you can also think on, on the flip side, what would be the, the worst case outcome? You can kind of deal with some of those um, maybe anxieties or concerns or fears that might pop up because it's 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 not real right those things are not real yet but but neither is the best case scenario yet. so what you can say is neither is real let's let's think about the fact that we obviously don't want those you know negative outcomes but let's let's have mentally processed through them to to overcome them, so we're not going to worry you know so then we don't have to stress continue stressing about those and let 's work towards those ideal outcomes. And so then you, you also can free your mind a little bit to move past what might be holding you back if you've got those anxieties or there's fears surrounding some of those things. So I think, I think I like the idea of, you know, with project management, if you, if you look at the, the, the ideal outcome or the, the end goal, it can often feel very, very daunting because you think, oh, my gosh, it's this huge, big thing that we're working to accomplish. But then you work backwards and you start saying, okay, but today I have five minutes. What can I do in my five minutes to help me get there? And let's just do this one component. And then next, you know, tomorrow I have 10 minutes. I'm going to do my 10 minutes worth and and build it and whatnot. I kind of like that.
3: Lindsay, that I love object lessons. and That made me think of something we used to, um, I used to teach uh, at-risk college freshmen and one thing we used to do is have them set um, a big, scary, audacious goal, and we would have them write it on a slinky. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Uh, Fran, are you familiar? Like, I don't know. Is that just US? Okay. So we'd have them write it on a slinky so you could see it, and then you pull it apart and you realize your big goal is just made up
1: of little dots. I love that.
3: So That's a really nice visualization. Yeah. So much.
1: I love analogies and visualizations. Yeah. It's great.
3: Yeah, mm. and Fran. Now I'm just thinking of project management and the hero's journey match. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. It's it's uh, every project is a hero's journey, isn't it? If it's not, you've got a problem because you haven't thought through all the the um, possible outcomes. Yeah. Project management told through Star Wars. <laughs> oh, amazing! I mean, we had guinea pigs in ours, but you know that's that's whatever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now I want to have Star Wars told through guinea pigs too.
1: Yeah, just to, just to explain Hero's Journey, it's it's the narrative story structure where you take, you can pretty much take anything, can't you? Any kind of, whether it's a children's comic or Star Wars or, I don't know, there's lots of different different hero journeys. And you look, they're, they're always a person in the beginning and there's, there's some kind of limitation or they've got a frustration. Something happens. And they have to go through some kind of transformational journey. There's a crisis, there's risk, there's trauma, there's the lowest bottom point where they hit rock bottom and they know they can't find their way out. Then they find something that will enable them to come out, fight their way through and reach some kind of, hopefully reach, usually reach some kind of resolution at the end. So, yeah, I mean, that describes project management. It describes change management. It describes so many things which people will say, oh, that's dull. No, it's not. Not if you approach it right. Oh, is creativity a gendered issue? I remember in
3: grad school studying, l- looking at a study about that. And I did a project, create, and I, it was entitled Creativity is the New Pink. <laughs> and I... I I don't know. Like I look at the the conferences that I attend around creativity and they do tend to be female dominated. It's it yeah, but yeah. I don't I everybody needs to solve challenges. You know, I, we talk about Who's interested? Who needs my my work when I'm when I'm um, going out? I'm like only people who deal with challenges. If you don't have any challenges, you don't need me. Also, I have follow up questions. <laughs> if you don't have any challenges, I'm going to need to know
1: why. Yeah, it's only that you haven't found them yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're trying hard. If you're not having challenges, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, I, I
3: believe the word is deny. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'd say even ten, fifteen years ago, certainly in the cultures that I've been working in, living in, it was. I'm now really privileged to work in a very, very diverse and open organisation. It's got a very open-minded organisation. And I'd say absolutely not, 100% not gendered at all. Places I've worked before, there is that stereotypical, traditional, gendered, binary gendered outlook in the organisational culture. So maybe, I don't know to what I haven't worked in enough different places because I work in a single place now, to know whether that's still the case, whether you go into some organisations where there is still that, very strong binary gender identity that's imposed by the organizational culture i think it's getting better though
2: i i yeah i agree with you i agree with you both i do think though that creativity is often disguised and we might not call it creativity um and so in in all circumstances where creativity is utilized so i i think that it's quite possible that sometimes it's just a case of, um, perhaps in, you know, women are, 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 maybe drawn to sort of creative pursuits, sometimes a little bit more, or they might claim that they are or whatever versus men, but men are extremely creative too. And they are using the same skill sets to solve problems, to, to develop new ideas, new solutions, new whatever. So, and there's creativity involved in, in all professions, including those that are male or at least traditionally male dominated. So I, I don't personally feel that it is it is a gendered issue. I think creativity is across the board. I think it's a lot about the way that you talk about it and the way that you encourage it. And I think um, creativity is a muscle and it can grow and get stronger or it can atrophy depending on your use of it or not. So I think everyone has you know we are as as children we we are creative we dance we sing we we engage we are silly we're fun we're playful and that's you know humans that's just humans across the board and then as we get older again sometimes that is kind of tampered down a little bit. But I, I really think that we all have that gift. And it's just something that we either are encouraged to or learn how to cultivate better over time, or or not. But I think it's there. And I think it's a muscle that would like to be used if we would let
1: it. Yeah, I think Lindsay's right. And I think it's down, it is down to that definition of creativity, It's pointing out creativity where it's maybe not a yeah it's not painting a picture it's not playing an instrument it's not dancing it's not acting it's not what people immediately say the first sort of four or five things people say when you say what's creativity it's the creative ways in which you do what you do whatever it is and I think if you look at it and you if you really unpick what creativity is maybe it's not as much maybe it's not as pronounced It's a difficult one. I don't know if you can. Yeah. I I suppose it's different everywhere, isn't
3: it? So Lindsay, you brought up like the, the levels of creativity in young children and uh, like, you know, in the U S kindergarten, you go into a kindergarten classroom and you ask them, who's an artist? Every hand goes up. (laughs) (laughs) Who is the fastest runner? Every hand goes up. Who is, every hand goes up for everything because they are everything. Uh, studies show around fourth grade that everythingness starts to, it's called the fourth grade slump. It starts to drop. And part of it is because we still, they have to start to learn things that we as a society have agreed on. We need them to understand that in our world, one plus three equals four. And, we've all agreed that cat is how we've decided that the word cat is so that we can communicate we need these things so that we have this universality what we have it, like the the work that we do at at my organization is like trying to to pull them up out of that to get them back into the the possibility realm again and i think the challenge with gender and this is just my own idea is is our, our personal judgment and there's studies about the prefrontal cortex which is that part of your brain that's like look both ways before you cross the street you know it's it's it it gives you you know let's 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 make some good choices but it's also the part of your brain that's like don't say that that might be dumb and Traditionally, women have been a little more self-censoring because of that. And I think that's why 70 years ago when the Creative Problem Solving Institute started, it was all men. And, you know, now it's changed and and things are changing more uh, because women are understanding that I should speak up. It is okay for me to speak up. And if people have issues with that, then they have issues. I don't. But it's because we're recognizing and we're having to notice and we have to make specific choices. And that's what how we're dealing with that gendering.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So call to action. what What do we do with
1: this? For me, I would challenge people to look at their everyday lives not necessarily into just work even and look at the things they're doing look at things that the culture is encouraging and consider what of that is creative that you might not originally think of as creative look at problems and think is there another way we can approach this so look at ways of bringing more creativity in because I think you end up with richer outcomes if you're looking at alternative ways to do stuff Um, and is there anything that's discouraging people from speaking up with new ideas? Yeah. I think that's that's something I always look to do if I'm supporting people, is create that safe space and to encourage people to think of alternative ways of doing stuff. Because what's the worst that can happen? You know, it might be a bad idea, and if something's not working, it's probably already a bad idea. Lindsay, what do you reckon? Yeah, I
2: think... I think being able to continue to treat your your job, your problem, your decision, whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with as an exploration so that you give yourself permission to be playful in the moment in terms of thinking through all of the, the elements that you need to in order to make the decision, solve the problem, whatnot. I think the more that you allow yourself to to think of it as just in terms of exploring. I'm just exploring my options. They're they're not real yet. They're not, you know, I haven't decided for sure yet. So this is just my opportunity to to be creative, to be playful. I think that's a really important thing, Um, giving yourself that permission and that space to take time to think through alternate ideas and and uh, and allow that to be a part of your process. I also think um, I would highly recommend the book "Creativity: A Short and Cheerful Guide" by John Cleese. It's a brilliant short read, and like you could read it probably in an afternoon. And it is delightful, uh, as you would probably expect. He has a lot of very practical pieces of advice. Um, to nurture that creative muscle, whether you are in the arts or whether you are an engineer or a scientist or what, wherever you are. It's just a really fun read. So I would, I would highly recommend that.
1: I'm getting that. That's definitely right. Yeah, I love point. that. <laughs> he's going to suddenly wonder why his uh, popularity, his books just shot through <laughs> the roof. That's <laughs> great.
3: I think my advice is... And this is something I, I'm a big proponent of post-it notes on the bathroom mirror. Um, what if just living in a, what if, and then the follow-up to that is why not? And if the answer is ever because it didn't work before, then the follow-up is what's changed because
1: probably something's
2: changed
3: since mm-hmm. then. Yeah.
2: I love that.
1: Sometimes it's the slightest adjustment to do it the way you've done it previously. That means it gets through the door the next time and works. Yeah. Or it's different people. Never step step in the
2: same stream twice, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think just, you know, being aware also the world is creative. It's filled with creativity. And if you, if you open your eyes to see it, if you're willing to explore it, it's really fun Life opens up a lot of possibilities when you allow yourself to be playful and cheerful and silly. And you never know where that's going to lead
1: you. No, it gives you a reason to get up in the morning, I think. The thought that something might happen. Yeah. And the, 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 the freeing up of your imagination is just, oh, its joyful.
3: I've been glad that I've been able to be silly and playful with you, Fran, and you, Lindsay, today. (laughs) You too, Lindsay.
1: (laughs) This has been brilliant. It's so nice to create space where we can just talk about this. It's been really lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Was it James Clear said uh,
3: the pessimist criticizes and the optimist creates.
1: that's a nice one to walk away with.
2: I love that. So, I guess with all of that, yeah, thank you both so much. This has been so much fun, and I just hope everyone who's listening goes out and has a really creative day.
0: <laughs> I love recording this episode. I was told that somebody had not heard me laugh so much during a recording, and I would have to agree with them. I'm sure this episode will make it into your top 10. A very special thank you to Beth, Fran and Lindsay for their phenomenal insight into this subject and for their time in making such a brilliant recording. I know you'll want to connect with them afterwards and all their details are in the show notes, along with information about the links and the things they spoke about and also how to connect with us here at Women Talking About Learning. We'd also like to thank Bridget McCormack. Bridget was sitting in on the recording just to see how we put the podcast together. We're about to record a live Women Talking About Learning podcast episode, and that's the AI one. We've also got a few more episodes lined up and have some fabulous topics and guests as well. Next time, it's the Access to Learning one. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.